0: guys, before we start, I wanted to remind you that there is a Mischief Management gift card that you can purchase right now. So you'll get an extra 20% added value to use at any of our events coming up in the next two years. So for instance, if you buy a $100 gift card today, you'll get $120 to spend on Con of Thrones or BroadwayCon or LeakyCon, any of our events coming up. Um, so it's a really great opportunity to support Mischief and come party with us later. So you can get the gift card on our merch site at mischiefmerch.com slash gift card.
1: And the other thing we want to let you know is, um, we mentioned the website every once in a while, but Mischief Media has a brand new website it's really fancy and pretty and you should definitely check it out because in addition to like just getting to experience the aesthetic pleasingness of it uh you can also make sure to check out all of our shows i know we tell you to do that regardless but now you're like forced to in a way that is like nice to look at um so you can see all of our different podcasts laid out including our new ones healthy Geek academy and nonplussed and also all of our classics like extraneous historic materials jump scare make no mistakes Pottercast. And I'm missing one. A story most queer? That might be the other one. Um, anyways, remember to head to mischiefmedia.com for all of your nerdy needs. Welcome to another episode of Extraneous, Stephen Universe edition. I'm going to start this off right. Guys, I'm Leah. I'm Takia, and welcome to our Welcome Names Podcast. Yes. <laughs> I
0: was actually listening to the second episode and I was like, "Oh, we said our names so early." <laughs> um, I'm very proud of us whenever we can remember that at the top. Same. So, this week was I guess the end of the season, the back half of the first season of Stephen Universe.
1: Yes. Uh, episodes episodes 40 to 52 technically is what we cover. Yes. And honestly, like so much
0: happens. Um, I feel like this is really where Steven Universe like not takes off. And I feel like I've probably said that before, but it's like it becomes interstellar. Right. Like we were talking, Ooh. I feel like we were, we talked about this in uh, Mirror Gem, Ocean Gem about like getting into space. But this one like really becomes like interstellar. We're like spending more time on spaceships and things like that. And it feels like you're getting so like, you know, more about the gems and like are seeing the gems as alien. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Greg mentions that at some point. Um, but like that. So like this is where the show becomes interstellar. That's what I will say.
1: That it that it's a really good point, especially because, like, I think characters make a point to constantly mention the things that are A, different, or B... Uh, troublesome necessarily yes. about where they came from. Like this is, uh, like at one point, Pearl's like it was a magnificent battle, and Emma's just like I wish you could see it, and Garnet says no, you don't. It was terrible. And Greg says something about war being awful, and that they're aliens, aliens who invaded Earth, and like we are seeing constant battles with the with the flask robinoids and the I forgot the name of the bigger robinoids but the bigger ones. Like this is Steven Universe on a massive level, reminding us as well as Steven, that there are big things at play to consider aside from these people are your family, and that is the history that comes with the gems being on Earth and specifically in Beach City.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
1: And along with that, I feel like the themes of this section
0: really tie into that idea of the grand scale Mm -hmm. and the like there's a lot of secrets being kept um, in order to keep people safe. And it's kind of through untangling those secrets and through um, honestly, Stephen asserting himself in in Mm -hmm. places that we get all of this knowledge
1: that we start to see kind of what's going on. Mm -hmm. secrets not just about like gems and like what the gems did but like also personal secrets is a big thing like Mm -hmm. and and secrets i think can translate to not just to like facts that you're hiding but also like feelings that you're hiding right the purpose of open book for example isn't like steven is lying to connie about certain things but like by but not expressing like that he disagrees with her because he's afraid of hurting her so he doesn't want to tell her like that actually had negative repercussions on on this little bit of their relationship Um, And that's a very small way to look at secrets, whereas other parts of this arc deal a lot in what the problems of big secrets are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like Open Book also, and maybe this is another theme that we could explore, but I feel like Open Book also touches on not realizing the impact of your words Mm -hmm. like there's something for me in that moment where Steven says that he wants Connie to come out that is like really weighty especially when you're watching it the second time through and you know what to expect um, and I feel like we see that also in political power a little bit. It's like we're not going to know mm-hmm. the uh, impact of it until later. Yeah. But I feel like with the way that Mayor Dewey is trying to protect everyone by, like, keeping all of these secrets, there is there is a hidden power in our words.
1: Yeah. And, like, I let the political power does it in two ways. Like, Stephen first sees Mayor Dewey do it, and Mayor Dewey's like, oh— I'm doing it because I don't want them to panic and I and I need to protect them and da-da-da and Steven has to help Mayor Dewey sort of try to get the town back on his side. Like, he was just caring about you and then Steven realizes that like, that's been the gems. At the same time, the gems have been doing it the entire episode. They mm-hmm. are holding back how they feel. They are pretending to play cards when actually what they, they are terrified and they are trying to fix things and they just want to protect him. Like, I, I really love that in Political Power we get, we get that duology. And then also, obviously, in Rose's Scabbard, like, whatever, and I want to go deeper into this, but like Pearl has a line where she says about Rose that that's what makes a great leader is knowing what to keep secret from everyone that you're trying to protect. And you just know that that is something specifically that Rose, you know, whether accidentally or purposefully imparted onto Pearl that has molded how Pearl behaves and like maybe it's not a good thing. Yeah. And along with that, we also deal a lot with
0: letting go of the past mm-hmm. um so i think that like that in rose's scabbard is something that we see as well
1: yeah the whole thing where she she can't let go of her sort of status in the relationship that was between her and rose because she thinks like oh i was the one that was the keeper of all the secrets and then like that was that being turned on its head when steven's like oh i've been to the armory and oh clearly this line is roses and all of that like even though the facts are right in front of her and this should be something that Rose should accept because like per her, Rose kept secrets and all of that. Like she cannot let go of the status that was and she cannot let go of the person she used to know. And she can't let go of all of the sort of important things she did back then. And I think that there is something stunting um, to a person if you are just living always in the past. Like we talked last episode about being too focused on like the future and all of the what ifs, and then you can't live in the present. I think that's the same thing here. If you don't let go of the past, you will be completely stuck you have to stick to the now.
0: Yes. I think that we, as Rose starts to come up more and more, we see that in different ways with all the gems. But I think that Pearl gets a lot of her power from what she thought her relationship to Rose was. Mm -hmm. And so there is a lot in not just her memories, but also the way that she is treating Steven and like the way that she wants to caretake Steven that really underlies the fact that the whole foundation of like, honestly who pearl is and like where she see gets her confidence and Mm -hmm. strength is in that relationship and so i think that this theme of like letting go of the past and like seeing things for what they are um is something that we're just starting here and like we're gonna have to deal with and unpack as the story continues to progress because it's such a big foundational thing for pearl
1: Mm -hmm. also uh, for other characters we see it um I think with Greg and Amethyst, we see it in maximum capacity. Amethyst gets it a couple times, um, but I don't want to go too into on the run, but um, yet, but in maximum capacity, like the idea of just like the shed being full of junk that they just can't let go of, and then mm-hmm. eventually it turns into you know the two of them watching those tapes together, and then it's it's the memory of that relationship that you did have and not being able to let go of that. Like oh, this is when we used to be cool, and now we are we're doing it again, so now we're cool again. But actually, it means nothing. You're just reliving moments of your past that made you feel a certain way and so like whether it's the like the junk inside of there or sort of reenacting the stuff that used to be um I think that that plays into the letting go of the past thing really well as as well yeah yeah absolutely um and
0: I don't know that there were a ton of motifs in this section but one thing that we kept seeing over and over again were books Mm -hmm. obviously because Stephen is grounded from (laughs) being able to watch other media for a thousand years (laughs) um but we see both the like no homeboys books and the unfamiliar familiar Mm -hmm. um which I have to say that it took me hearing that title like a bunch of times to understand what they were saying um (laughs) because like it sounded like familiar familiar and I was like I don't know what you're saying
1: (laughs) I love I love Stephen loving books in this section every time he's like books I love books and, like, it's because Steven is great and loves everything, but also I'm like, yeah, now he can't watch TV, so <laughs> he needs to yes. watch something
0: else. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, because in last episode, we talked a lot about, like, TV and movies and things, and, like, this mm-hmm. is obviously he can only read books right now. Uh, were there any anime references? Yeah, there
1: were a few this this go-round. Um, one of the ones that is is one of my favorites and stuck in, like, an actual emotional episode, so it's hard to, like, take it out of your brain is the the image of sort of the um uh, image of the body shapes in the kindergarten sort of in the in the walls and like that bit where Amethyst is like look it's me size and she slides into it it is definitely a visual reference to a um uh 2000s horror short manga so not necessarily anime but manga um by Junji Ito who is like a horror master he's really well known for like terrifying and kind of grotesque tales um that actually had a meme of it for a little while on the internet tumblr used to pick it up a lot um a story called the enigma of the amigara fault really and actually it's a story that i remember reading back in the 2000s and it scared the poop out of me so i remember seeing it on steven universe and i was like oh my god it's the amigara fault things and it's this short horror uh, story about holes that appear in a cliffside and then people are drawn to the ones that appear to be their holes if they ever see it and have to climb into them. It's terrifying. Oh. That is like a direct parallel. It, yeah, it absolutely is. Um, in Rose's Scabbard, Stephen pulls the sword out of Lion's Mane in front of Pearl. And it's not, again, not necessarily directly anime, but like... I'm going to clock video game stuff too cuz I can't help it. He's very clearly <laughs> making Zelda music cuz he goes da 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 like it's very much when you open a chest or you find an item in Zelda makes similar musical notes. Um Greg's CD from Story for Steven is called Space Train to the Cosmos and sort of the whole shtick of it where it's like I'm on a one-way ticket, riding into space, never coming back, that whole thing and yeah. sort of the look of the album cover looks very similar and sounds very similar to a 1970s anime and manga called Galaxy Express 999.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: There's a really subtle one uh, in Story for Steven as well that I um, I'll allow the internet that is also spotted, but, like, I'm not sure about it. But uh, the pattern on Amethyst when she's an owl in Story for Steven with all the upside down, the little sort of um, upside down Vs is very similar to uh, the sort of big Totoro in My Neighbor Totoro. His pattern on his chest is upside down Vs as well. I'm torn between that's just what an owl might look like and also (laughs) a sly nod. But the internet clocked it, uh, and I was like, I'll give you that internet. Uh, lastly in jailbreak we have two one of them is stylistic and it's jasper and garnet's battle is very much a battle that is set up in a lot of um especially uh, 80s and 90s shonen anime and also in a lot of fighting style video games um especially the bit like where the it's like a, a solid pose before you start fighting it's the face off and the camera swooping down and coming up um is very anime uh and fighting video game esque. And then Ruby and Sapphire's reunion, where Ruby picks up Sapphire and kind of swings her around in Sapphire's legs. First of all, cute as heck, but her legs are up in the air, is very similar to a reunion that happens in uh, Castle in the Sky between the main characters, whose names escape me, Patsu and, I forgot the girl's name, Lita? It's been a long time since I watched Castle in the Sky. But anyway, that's a Studio Ghibli movie, which I've mentioned prior on this, um, that is actually very lightly based on part of Gulliver's Travels and is a really beautiful movie, but um, their reunion is very similar to those two characters. Paso and Sheeta, that's her name. <laughs> you should have just said it. I wouldn't have known any better. Yeah, but the, the internet might know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, those were the sort of most direct big references I could I could spy.
0: Awesome, cool. I feel like you're, you're always giving me homework of like things that I need to go watch and see and understand.
1: I know you're not a big uh anime person, but like you should at least watch Studio Ghibli stuff because like ugh those movies are just so so good. They're so good, Takia. I can't explain <laughs> to you how good they'll make you feel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um, let's get into the top five. Top five, top five. This one wasn't a hard one, but like there were a couple that we could have, I feel slotted in on that fifth slot. That we discussed, but I think we kind of solidly landed on this as the list.
0: Yes, I agree with that. I think that this list to me um, represents like character development and like pushing the story forward. Whereas there were a lot of episodes that I thought were really, really good
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um, that just like didn't make the top five because it just like they weren't as important, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like most of the episodes were honestly really really good and so it wasn't hard to pick the top five but it was also just like it felt unfair um I think my honorable mention this time is open book um obviously because I'm Connie trashed but also I feel like it has such emotional resonance like Stephen's really going through this like realizing that uh, like, from the moment that they get into Rose's room and he's like, oh, only I can ask for what I want. And then, like, learning the lesson of, like, being able to speak up and, like, mm-hmm. say what he feels. It, it just, there's something, like, deep inside of me that it, like, tugs at.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, I'm the same kind of shipper that Steven is. <laughs>
0: I loved all 50 pages about the cake. I wanted to draw
1: it. <laughs> it, was, it was such a great moment of being a fan. It's like the two types of fans, and I love the harmony at the end. It's such a That's such a cute episode. I really like that.
0: Also, I love
1: uh, Connie, Radical Feminist. Come on. Like, it was great. It's great. So, so good. Uh, oh, God. I don't know which one I want to pick because I liked a lot of the episodes that aren't on our list. But if I had to pick one... Honestly, I really really like Winter Forecast. It just doesn't do, it doesn't do enough, I think, to to be placed on like a list that includes a lot of these. But like, I don't know. I really love just the the idea of like groundhog daying these small <laughs> decisions and like it's it's a little obvious teaching Stephen the lesson of like, "Hey, maybe you need to take stuff like snowstorms seriously and don't try <laughs> to get your dad in trouble and don't procrastinate and get it done." But like, I don't know. I really like the way that the episode is laid out. I love all the different options. I love the part where Steven calls Connie's dad and like, no, don't let your husband in the car. He can't drive in the snow because he's already seen that feature. <laughs> it's so funny. And I really like the moment at the very end of the episode where Connie just quietly walks down the stairs and sits by the couch where Steven is. And they they get to quietly watch the snow together. And there's something really nice about that. I don't know. I just really like yeah. that episode. I could have picked any other, ep- like most other episodes in this thing and and – Sounds dissimilarly, but I have a soft spot for that one.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, they were all good. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, like, it it felt mean to have to pick five. Not like it was hard, but it just was mean. Yeah, it's mean. Well, you're a mean person. I am. I am. Uh (laughs) All right. So uh, our top five, starting with the five spot, we have On the Run. In four, we have Marble Madness. Three, Roses Scabbard. Two, story for Steven. And one, because we only cheat, (laughs) is The
1: Return slash Jailbreak. Yay, cheating. We make our own rules. You can't yell at us. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Okay, uh, let's get into it. Number five is On the Run.
0: Yeah, On the Run for me was actually like a surprise love. One, we learn a lot about like Amethyst and the kindergarten and all of that sort of stuff. Um, But it's also the moment... Or, like, one of the moments. This section for me is, like, where Steven Universe becomes a musical. Um, mm. But, like, it was one of the moments where I felt like they used song really well. Um, I loved the, like, them on the train. It was so random that they were, like, running away. But it was also just, like, really beautiful. And, like, I, I don't think that we get enough Steven and Amethyst. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was really nice to, like, have them do this buddy
1: thing. Um, yeah, it was just, it was, it's a solid, solid episode. Everything in On The Run, like, starting with, like, the little things, like, the raccoon attacking Steven, and Steven being like, I feel like I've been misled about hay, like, (laughs) is, like, it starts so silly, and the fact that we, we already know Amethyst to be the person who is most likely to sort of rebel a bit against, um, the other two gems, so seeing Amethyst be the one to kind of, hey Steven, let's just run away and get on a train and take bindles and just go. Like all of that is very on character. And the moment where they do finally enter the kindergarten is is unsettling, right? Mm-hmm. Like you you are meant to feel unsettled seeing these things. And I think it's even more unsettling when Amethyst is so unfaced by all of it. Like you see the giant um the sort of injector machines and Steven's like, what is this? And she's like, ah, it's some old gem junk. Like, there's something about the nonchalant way that she refers to all of it that is that makes it more unsettling because yeah. you're like, why aren't you taking this more seriously? And then it gets to the part where, like, she tries not to take it seriously because she feels so yeah. badly about all of it. That of a... Like, Amethyst is, is also thousands of years old, like the other gems, but she is the youngest of them. And there is something about her still having the penchant of somebody who is young maybe taking on things that are so much greater than you and and internalizing that and turning that into a type of self-loathing and assuming Mm -hmm. that everybody hates you for it even though like they don't hate you for it you didn't do it it's a really real moment and i think it's the first real moment we get with amethyst as a character and understanding maybe why she acts a little immature in comparison to the others
0: we've all had that moment where you are trying to you know act uh with bluster or like act more confident than you actually are and there's a lot of that with amethyst and i think that it's made like super clear in this episode Mm -hmm. um additionally i felt like amethyst um was doing that thing that people do where you're keeping something to yourself but the emotions that you're having feel so big that it feels like it must be obvious Mm -hmm. and that everyone around you must know it and the reason that they're not responding to it is because of something like bad or you know like I I just like watched that episode I was like yeah <laughs> like I understand fully where Amethyst is coming from because your your emotions are so big even though you're not saying them people must see them yeah um, and having the having Garnet and Pearl um, and Pearl especially, just be like, I didn't know that you felt this way. I mm-hmm. thought you were proud of, right? Like, yeah. having that breakdown in communication and them being able to work through it is really good in this episode.
1: Yeah, and I think it's really smart of Steven to to pick up on the fact that Amethyst isn't going to hear from him necessarily the no we love you anyways because like like and she says to him she's like you can't talk about it because you don't understand yes and you don't even know like you have no idea so the fact that steven is so quick to go okay and to look at pearl and be like get in here and talk to her because you do know and like it's steven is always the one who is like trying to build up others confidence and trying to make them feel good and telling them he loves them and so like i think it's really It's telling that Steven knows. I mean, granted, Amethyst was very clear about you don't know. But I think that, like, Steven is 13 and he understood immediately that what she did need was to hear it from the person who she most often is antagonistic with because the two of them Mm -hmm. clash so hard. And the person who does actually know all these things. Um, I just I love that. I love the whole sequence. I love when they come out. Amethyst gives Pearl this big hug because, like, she clearly needed it. And then, like, the button on the episode is one that I remember watching. The first time around and it still gives me chills where they warp away and the the focus of the camera changes so that instead of seeing the warp pad and the gem injectors and the cliffs you see it further in the back and like the Mm -hmm. sheer amount of the injectors and the sheer amount of the holes in the cliffs are just like they're like quadrupled immediately and like it's got that like noise going on at the same time and it's so creepy and I I love it. I love creepy things. And so like it made it big and creepy Um, after giving you all these big, heavy emotions. It was like, surprise, this one is scary.
0: Yeah. Honestly, the kindergarten for me always feels a little like horror Mm movie-esque. There's like a, right? Like there's something about where no matter when they go to that space, it feels like a cauldron with the clouds and like there's something storming or like lurking in that space. There's
1: like a persistent fog along the ground all the time.
0: Um, Which is really interesting. It's a way to like create exactly what you're talking about, that like sense of that eerie sense Mm -hmm. and the sense that it's like larger and like looming and there's something, you know, happening here. Speaking
1: of the kindergarten, number four, (laughs) Marble Madness. This is one of those episodes where like I was pretty sure I knew what it was about, but I think I had forgotten just how much it did until I rewatched it. I love the 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 sort of repetition of Stephen trying to like be a normal kid getting interrupted by something huge, massive and scary attacking, and the gem's just futilely trying to get rid of it before Stephen can even like insert his opinion on what's going on, let alone help fight it like mm-hmm. i it's it's just so I, first of all, it's funny. And they do it with comedy like two or three times before we turn the episode from something that's a little bit lighter or something that we know because we've seen the gems go off and fight monsters this entire time. Like that's a typical episode of Steven Universe. And then it's able to twist it a little bit because once Steven is able to convince the gems that like, hey, can we just try it my way, please? Please, can we just try to, like, do a little research on what's going on that the episode gets more serious? And it's a really nice, like, dial turn in terms of the tone of what's happening in the episode. And I really, like, genuinely appreciated it.
0: Yeah. Also, more Peridot. Oh, my God. I love her. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that, like, Stevens asserting himself to Peridot comes back up. Like, that moment is... Becomes crucial later in the series, and so it was fun. And because this is only my maybe like second rewatch, like this is my second time through Steven Universe, mm-hmm. so it's fun to like start picking up on those things where you're like, Oh, I see where this is going, I know what's happening here. The list, um, yeah, like that's really, really fun to see. Also, seeing Peridot as their antagonist. Um, is interesting for how we know the character develops.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, Stephen is himself not just to Peridot, but like in general, like with the gems. Like we've talked about it before, and I think it's only really happened in moments of anger. Not anger, but like when Stephen is frustrated. Like that's the yeah. moments when he stands up. He's like when he – we talked about it last episode in um, – mm, I forgot the name of the episode, but we talked about it last episode Warped in War Tour. Warped, Warped Tour, yes. When he was like, stop telling me how I feel, this is what I see. Or he's like, let me be a part of this, I'm a crystal gem, or I wanna try doing this. And he tends to do it like in moments where he's frustrated and so he feels like he has to. And this time he's like, him telling the gems to slow down and like just try it my way is actually a moment of logic. And I think that's why Garnet is so willing to go along with it, uh, especially in the yes. beginning. Um, I especially liked the. Uh, We can't fight these things forever. Well, we can, but I don't want to. I was like, that's a mood. (laughs) I could do this. I just really don't want to. And then see Steven continue to do it. Like, Steven's like, no, let's keep asking questions, asking questions, so that by the time we get to Peridot, we're used to Steven going, let's ask questions, and that being the correct course of action. And then actually, that last time, that was a bad move on Steven's part. (laughs) He shouldn't have done it that last time. (laughs) oh man yeah it's really good like
0: seeing honestly it's like the gems assumption of the way things work being questioned and like seeing Mm -hmm. things through fresh eyes through steven who hasn't experienced this kind of stuff before um really helps them get to the heart of like what is going on even if it goes wrong at -hmm. the end but like that helps progress like push things forward um and i think it's a good lesson for like pearl especially um but for all of the gems to like look at things with fresh eyes
1: mm-hmm. also shout out to connie to being probably most of us whenever we try introducing something we love to other people <laughs> the this is why this is great read it and then a phone call so did you read it what would you think and then like hearing somebody be like like the moment students like there's an order and she's like do you even know, like that just abject sadness from like, I'm like I've done that. I know I've done that with people. I was like, no, watch it in this order. Do this. Watch it in this order as we do Stephen Universe, and we're going yeah. against the order on like Hulu. I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> as
0: someone, as someone watching it on Hulu, I could do a whole diatribe of how much it doesn't make sense. Um, but I don't want to go down that road. But yeah, no, no, no. Connie is like the fangirl, in all of us. Um. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, Stephen uh, finishes reading them and is like, I just have one question. <gasps> What's a familiar? <laughs> and, uh, like, the title of the series, right? Unfamiliar Familiar. Like, I can feel Connie's that That slide down she does at the cabinet. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like someone getting to the end of Harry Potter and being like, but why does Harry have a scar? <laughs> oh, my like...
1: God. <laughs> Keep talking about this Plickman guy. Should I know who he is? <laughs> <laughs> Steven! <laughs> like, just that heart-sicking moment of, oh, God, no. <laughs> like, they didn't do it right. How can I make them go back and do it again correctly? Oh, Connie. In the three spot, we've got Rose's scabbard
0: which is just, like, really good. It's another, it's a great Pearl episode um, Mm -hmm. where we're, like, exploring her feelings um, and, like, the relationship that she assumes she had with Rose. And I think throughout Steven Universe, like, Pearl has such a huge character arc um, Mm -hmm. and you see kind of, the cracks in the relationship starting to show in this episode, as well as like maybe Rose following a little bit from a pedestal that Pearl has held her on um, Mm -hmm. because Pearl believes that like she holds all of Rose's secrets. And like, honestly, the moment where they like realize that Lion is like related
1: to uh, (laughs) Rose and Amethyst is like, oh yeah, that's why he's pink. And Garnet's like, yeah, it's obvious. But even though it's obvious, Pearl refuses to believe it because there's no way she didn't know about it. Dude, I don't know. I have this episode it is so heartbreaking in so many ways. I think uh, this is actually one of Pearl's lowest points as a character. And it's it's a place that you have to go with the character, right? In order to to build Pearl back up or to let her build herself back up and to let her have her own... Um, proper story arc she needs to get there. So, like, for me, Pearl has, a like, three really big low points. One of them is Space Race, where she kidnaps Steven and almost takes mm-hmm. him to space. One of them is this one, where, like, by the end, she is treating him as just Rose 2.0 uh, yeah. in a couple points and, like, almost lets him get severely hurt. Like, she's not paying attention, and he nearly dies jumping from thing to thing. And... Mm-hmm. The last one has yet to happen, but seeing Pearl broken down in that way, I think is really, really interesting. And there's something about seeing Steven be hurt by Pearl, like when Pearl yells at him and she's like, what do you know? You didn't even know her. What a what a savage thing to say to a kid. And that Steven's reaction in that moment is to be worried for her and to go after her and to risk his his physical safety following her, even though she clearly doesn't want to, like, it is all so heavy mm-hmm. in a way that I think is hard to expect. And then, like, the episode ending with Steven giving her this hug, and it almost looked like she's crying out of, like, catharsis and, like, or just, like, this is just something she hasn't let herself feel. And, and, and letting her sort of tell this clearly big battle story, giving her the flag, and she's almost performing as she tells it, like... I just have a lot of feelings about Pearl (laughs) and also about the fact that Steven is so much more likely to try to take care of the adults in his life than to take care of himself. And it happens so big in this episode on both of those things come up so big in this episode and like, boof.
0: Yep. Steven is a child
1: of chaos. (laughs) Seriously. Also, I like that this is the episode that I think everybody kind of points to as... Uh, sort of exhibit A in the Pearl wasn't just a friend of Rose Quartz Pearl was very clearly in love with Rose Quartz and it's a relationship that like especially when this was airing we were like oh hello a queer unrequited love which is like on a kids show is a lot yeah I mean honestly
0: it's like revolutionary can you name another (laughs) I wish that the listeners could see your eye roll Um, Because it was great. It was beautiful.
1: I have a a lot of feelings about the work that cartoons, especially in the past five to ten years, have done in terms of queer representation on television and queer representation for younger folk. And the fact that whenever people talk about queer representation on television, cartoons are left out of the mix completely. And I'm like, you can bite me there was a whole th- there was a whole thing on apple plus i think or apple tv that they did uh, that was about the history of queer media and it talked about like ellen and will and grace and like mm-hmm. yes good that's all well and good but those are also 20 year old sitcoms and yeah. let's move forward and nobody ever talks about the work that cartoons has done and like the work that steven universe in particular and thanks to the work that steven universe did i think because of that we also got the the little bits that we got from from Cora and the little bits that we got from mm-hmm. Adventure Time and and mm-hmm. Starver- Starverses and shows like that. Like, I think it's honestly, I, I give a lot of props to Rebecca Sugar all by herself for fighting the fights inside of Cartoon Network that we were able to see the other Cartoon Network shows do it. Like, Adventure Time ended with a queer relationship that everybody always assumed was a thing. And they couldn't confirm was a thing until Rebecca Sugar did the work first. And like... Yep. Sorry, give her props where they're due because it. without her, I don't think we would have nearly the stuff that we do have on, Uh, I don't know, any of it. This is a rant and I'm just like,
0: I am here for this rant. <laughs> I'm just going to get out of
1: your way. Just say it. <laughs> I just have a lot of feelings. The fact that Rebecca Sugar was the first female showrunner on Cartoon Network and she did all this and she fought all of her battles so hard and she created this show that is deserving of all of the awards that it has ever won and... She literally did work that no other showrunner on this network, not Craig McCracken, not Penn Ward, not Gendy Tartakovsky. She did work that nobody on that network was ever able to do. And I'm so glad it exists, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think that puts the
0: button on Rosa's scabbard. Um, Sorry. No, 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 no. I love that. And also like, I, these relationships are really important. And like mm-hmm. it, I think we're going to just keep talking about it. Honestly, like, I Like, don't get me. Don't get me to
1: jailbreak. Um, <laughs> I know we're about to hit, like, like here's the sad relationship. Let's hit the other one. <laughs> so f- emotional. Um,
0: all right. So in our two spot, we have story for Stephen, um, which it, honestly, like, is a really interesting, like, match pairing. I don't know, like a wine pairing with Rosa Scabbard, uh-huh. um, because I think we're starting to see the shape of all of these relationships that Rose had mm-hmm. um, and story for Stephen ostensibly is about Mark introducing Marty, but like really we get like so much more, so many more details of Greg meeting Rose mm-hmm. and the crystal gems back um, in the whatever decade eighties. I don't know. Um, this is an alternate universe, uh, but we get like so many more details about them um. also new outfits different outfits so um, cute I love great. their 80s looks love it love it and I think that that's really the me and like that's what the important takeaways are from this episode and I I don't know there's something about Greg and Rose that is just like so wholesome but mm-hmm. also like Greg is immediately in love with her and it still feels to me that like Greg is a fascination for Rose. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, those are like, we're starting to see more and more the way that Rose interacted with the people around her. And I think that that like starts to build a certain, you know, like there is the way Rose is described by people. And there are the things that we are seeing Rose do Mm -hmm. um, that are at times intention. And I think that that's really interesting here.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, I 100% agree with all that. Like, it's not necessarily always a one-to-one. Like, I think Rose still does come off as looking benevolent and, like, a strong leader and, yeah. and like, somebody who loved Greg, right? But, like, granted, we will get more flashbacks into Greg and Rose's relationship, but, like, you're right. There is a little bit of a – that's not exactly what I pictured going on here. That's really <laughs> interesting. Um, I also loved how, how you brought up my my favorite thing, and that's the – the reason that we get this story is because Steven's already heard the story of how <laughs> mom and dad met. But this time, we're telling the story with Marty. And that's the only reason we as an audience are getting the episode. Or because we wouldn't see it otherwise. Steven knows the story. He doesn't need to line it. Um, also, like, the way it opens where Greg just goes, now including Marty. And it starts with that, like, the electric guitar riff. And
0: mm-hmm. going
1: right into his, like, ridiculous, like, 80s rock space thing. And, like... <laughs> it's so much fun and like to see how little beach city has changed (laughs) um over the couple of decades or whatever that it's been since since greg uh kind of showed up there i also really like seeing the gems interacting with rose because like now we know them through steven and with like garnet as leader but like seeing them all sort of in deference to her like you don't see it completely but like it's obvious that they will do whatever she says and trust her implicitly. And the fact that before Greg came into their lives, even though they'd been there for thousands of years, they didn't really interact with humans. Pearl calls Greg it four times or something. Like he asks her what time it is and she's like, uh, night time? Because time doesn't mean anything to her because they don't, I, I presume they just don't experience it that way. So it's interesting to see that even though they'd been there for so long and even though they were there because they wanted to save the earth and save the humans who live on it, before Greg, they had nothing to do with humanity,
0: mm-hmm. and it's
1: really interesting to see where that kind of starts.
0: Can I say a really crazy thing? That is an idea that I just had as you were as you were talking about Rose, like as a leader and like seeing her in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, Rose actually reminds me a lot of Olivia Pope, <laughs> so <laughs> From Scandal. Yes. So I, before we started Steven Universe, I was doing a Scandal rewatch that I like fell off of because you know time doesn't matter in quarantine but there's this sense that rose and there's the sense that Olivia Pope like collects people and like collects loyalty Mm. through in some way having saved or like in some way having protected the people around her and gets this like uh intense and unfallible loyalty even though maybe the person isn't entirely deserving of it or maybe they aren't this like god-like being that can fix anything mm-hmm. and can do anything um and there's so like there's there's a lot of i could write
1: this essay <laughs> do it there's a great parallel there that's awesome i've never i'm not big into scandal but like that's such a good thing story for steven
0: is just a really great like adding layers to each character kind of episode um also it's got great music and it's just fun
1: yeah, and there's something really sweet about Greg telling the story to Stephen. I just love seeing Greg and Stephen interact in little ways that aren't necessarily about, like, the mission of the day. So, like, Stephen just hanging out with Dad in the van and Dad telling a story and, like, them teasing each other is, I don't know, just really cute. I really like seeing that stuff. All right, number one. Number one, our big cheat time. <laughs> I don't even – so here's the thing. I think
0: that – The last time we cheated and we did uh, Ocean Gym, Mirror Gym, it was because they feel like one episode, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they naturally just go into each other. Mm -hmm. I think that not only do The Return and Jailbreak feel like one episode, they are equally as good. Mm. They're both really good episodes for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, like, that to me is, like, even an even more masterful act. Oh, for sure. That the like beginning of this conflict is as powerful as its resolution. Honestly, like we talked like back when we were doing Supernatural, like we talked a lot about like the part one, part twos of different se- at the end of different seasons, mm-hmm. and I was always a part two person, like I always wanted to <laughs>
1: Yeah. And like, I'm a part one person because I think that of the two, I think return is stronger. I Not to knock jailbreak for any means, but like I think the return is a better setup than jailbreak is a resolution because I think without stronger than you... I think Jailbreak doesn't hit, but Stronger Than You is a four-minute set piece, and that's most of the episode, so it does get to hit. Wow, I have so many feelings about that statement
0: <laughs> that you just made. We can break it down. I was over here like they're as good as each other, <laughs> but wow. So here's the thing. The first like three minutes of Jailbreak, I was kind of like, oh, this is another mirror uh this is another ocean gem like Mm -hmm. it's not like it's you know we're gonna get there but like whatever um there is so much done with steven understanding Mm -hmm. of all of the gems not just like meeting ruby and sapphire which like obviously is like emotionally very special for me like uh-huh. I love how much Ruby and Sapphire need to get back to each other yeah and like that sense also that they are you so used to sharing characteristics that like there's the moment where Ruby's like I can't see it like I yeah. can't see what I'm supposed to do what the future is mm-hmm. um it's just I. It, it is a beautiful example of fusions as not just two people and like not just one person but an experience Mm -hmm. like their relationship is the third eye of garnet Mm -hmm. so like that in and of itself amazing but also steven wanting to save lapis and like the the emotional character work that lapis does in that episode is really really interesting and I feel like we get a whole different type of fusion when yeah. Lapis and Jasper fuse. Like the fact that that they are able to fuse even though Lapis has like malintent to me is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And like I like until this moment, I would assume that you can only fuse with someone that you like a hundred percent on the same level with. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like we are seeing Connie and Steven fuse, we're seeing the gems fuse, like For me, a fusion is, like, this positive relationship, and, like, if you're at all, like, in some sort of, like, uh, incongruity or, like, you're at all, there's any sort of discord between the two that the fusion would break apart, Um, and the fact that, like, Lapis is able to trap Jasper in the fused state Mm -hmm. under water is, like, wild to me.
1: I always felt that the... I, I think you're right. I think for fusion, you both need to have intent. Okay, well, we, we will later learn more about Garnet and how Garnet first came to be. So it's not necessarily intent is not always part of it, but, like, some sort of harmony or something like that. And I think that is why it does work, Uh, the fusion itself. not Because I think Jasper wants to fuse for power, and Lapis decides she wants to fuse because she wants to take control of the situation. So they do both want to fuse just for very different reasons. And I think Lapis's intent is stronger. She wants to take control as, she wants to take control like sort of in Malachite and trap them and to in like be her own jailer kind of. And like, there's a lot of stuff to unpack there, but like in terms of fusion, I think it is the fact that they both intend to do this thing, that it works even though one of them has that separate sort of ulterior motive?
0: I don't know. There's something really interesting in that to me because like to to both want to do something and to be harmonious are like totally different things for me, mm. um, right? Like they can occur at the same time, but like you can both want to do something. Honestly, that's like bad for you, it, like case in point, or you can both want to do something for different and perhaps wrong reasons. And to me, that is not being like, that is not being harmonious, that is being, it's not consonant, it's like.
1: Like a dissonance?
0: Yeah, they're like that, that's like dissonance.
1: Yeah. I I think it is interesting and like, as we check back in on Malachite as time goes by, like that might lead to the fact that they are an unstable fusion and like you can tell because Malachite doesn't seem to have a voice of their own. Malachite sounds like either Jasper or Lapis depending on who has the upper hand at that moment. So like, I, I think that like what you're saying is probably true that like this is not a good fusion and certainly not a stable one and i think simultaneously that is the reason why garnet is so powerful and so synchronous and so so at one able to
0: be a fusion all the time
1: i know oh my gosh you're a fusion all the time (laughs) i do want to talk a little bit about the the return though because i think that for and, and we'll, we'll talk about stronger than you stronger than you so like i don't feel the need to go hard into that set piece but nope. um also for the record i'm not knocking jailbreak now jailbreak is a really 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 good episode and i love you're right i love the work that it does with steven understanding the gems i love steven standing like going to lapis and lapis is like this is the reason she's done and she's tired and i don't want to fight and he's like that's why we have to fight like that's steven's whole thing is he's like i'm not gonna let them do these things anymore i'm gonna stand up
0: yeah. Also, just to put a pin in the back half of this season with Jailbreak, the last shot being them all in the ground and being like, oh, you met Sapphire and Ruby. We wanted to show you this later. We wanted to show you at your birthday. And Steven being like, you can still do that. I'll just pretend I didn't know. <laughs> like, is is this like very subtle nod to some of the secrets being good, right? Mm-hmm. That there, like there is a positive way to keep a secret for someone's betterment. Yeah. Um, and I think that, like, it's a really nice button on that larger theme, the end. I agree. <laughs> um, But
1: I, I want to talk I a I also bit- love The Return. I do also love <laughs> The Return. I just felt like I had to, like, cape for Jailbreak, apparently. No, 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 no. You did it. You did it. I love Jailbreak. I just, like, y- you mentioned it already, is I am, I love setting things up. And so that is one of the reasons why I really, 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 find the return strong the whole shtick in the beginning of it where they're they're redoing the first episode like the, the give me the bits and and talking yeah. to TV and sing or the first couple of episodes like we see the cheeseburger backpack in a set piece we see all of the all of the townspeople in this thing we reference a ton of stuff that we've done throughout the whole season uh like i think it's really interesting seeing all of that sort of set up to be then knocked down i love the moment where. The gems and Greg come to an accord very quickly that Stephen is going to want to stay and Stephen cannot stay. Stephen has to mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. I love that then Stephen like, like he's so confused about being sent away and Garnet knowing that there's probably I mean using future vision I guarantee she knows that there are very few instances in which they are going to convince Stephen to leave and so she does it by by telling him sort of what we all know and it's that she says, like, your voice inspires us and you need to be that inspiration for them. Yeah. And Stephen sees the town just a wreck. Everybody's screaming. Nobody knows what to do. Nobody is together. And, like, that's the only reason Stephen goes. And because he wants to help people. And then, of course, turning around because the people turn into his family. Because Greg slips and mentions that they wouldn't have survived without Rose's shield. And immediately mm-hmm. Stephen, because he has Pearl's penchant for for throwing himself in front of fire, is, like, I have to go back even if it's dangerous because I need to help like this I, I love all of the setup of it and seeing the big shield and the part where Stephen looks at line and goes stay here if something happens to me dad will need a new son and I'm like what are you doing can't you think of yourself for this moment Steven? like I just I really 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 love the setup of this and it's I, I think the ending especially if you take them as a cliffhanger and a part two that were separated by like, I think they were only separated by a day um, in terms of cartoon work Cause I think they dropped in a Steven bomb, which is why the episodes are so out of order. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it's the, it's the, it's like the deathly Hallows part one ending. It's bleak. Dobby is dead and Voldemort <laughs> has the elder wand. Like Garnet has been destabilized and his gems on the beach there there's a spaceship and these two gems and one of them is this big brute and everybody has lost and there's nothing to do and like Jasper literally says like you've lost and yeah. that's how that episode ends and like that is a bleak ending to something only to be sort of resurrected with the revelations of jailbreak and all of the actions within it like is such an uplifting moment apparently I just like the sad things yeah <laughs> Um, that checks out for me. I think that you do just (laughs) like the sad things. (laughs)
0: Everything that you're saying about like Steven going through, honestly, it feels a little bit like Steven is trying to figure out who needs him more Mm -hmm. throughout that episode, right? Like if the town needs him, he will go there. And if the gems need him, he will go there. And like Steven is just trying to help people um, and honestly not looking out for himself, even though he's -hmm. a 13 year old kid. And I think that that's really central to, like, his character. Mm -hmm. Steven is the best. Yeah, but you got to
1: take care of yourself first. I know, man. Boy, it's too bad it's going to take Steven. Hold on. How many more episodes to figure that out? (laughs) A lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. This is such a good two-parter. It does so much work. It's the first home. I also, like, I don't know why, but it's called The Return, right? Yeah. And I was like, I never thought anything of it. I was like, it's called The Return because... The gems that tried to invade Earth and you know drill into it and make other gems and take over—they've returned. Like that's the whole yep. thing, and there's something so sinister in that. That like, yeah. but for some reason, I never, th- I never thought about it until just now when this sentence came out of my mouth. So yeah. there we go, a revelation for all of us.
0: I mean, also we end the episode. I d- I don't. Uh, I think we end the episode on the beach still, but we end the episode with the idea being that the gems and Steven are going to be carted off back to Homeworld. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's a return in two ways. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it is a return to the battle to, like, w- you know, what Rose and the gems had to fight to protect Earth. It's a return of Peridot to um, damage, you know, damage the Earth. And it's a return of the Crystal Gems to Homeworld or, like, to, you know, outer space.
1: Ugh, it's so good. It's so good. That is our top five. That is our top five. God, this is such a good show.
0: It is. Um, let's talk about, because I think that we've mentioned, honestly, most of these,
1: but let's talk about the characters that were introduced. Um, so uh, we mentioned him already, but uh, Marty, Marty, he's dead to me, Marty, which is <laughs> <laughs> the best way anyone's ever been introduced, Greg, with that little smile on his face. He's dead to me. Just Greg's jerk of a manager. Um, and at one point, there's a cameo by a character who will return as well named Vidalia, but like we don't see her outside of the cameo in the past.
0: Though her name is a great hint because Vidalia is a onion.
1: Is a type of onion. Every every fan was like, hey, she's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> if she still lives here, she's coming back. Um, so we will hear more from uh, Vidalia especially, but we'll also get a bit more from Marty other than like he's kind of a jerk.
0: Yeah. Um, We are introduced to Jasper. Jasper! Who is just this, like, tiger of a gem. Um, Like, very, like, hulkish and dedicated to exactly the mission and um, just wants to see them kind of, like, put down for Mm -hmm. having... Uh, foiled the homeworld gems in the past. Like, as soon as he realizes that Steven is at all related to Rose, is like, oh, Rose is still here.
1: Like, this is a problem. And Um, shifts directions, right? Because Jasper's there to, per Peridot, quote, they were supposed to be there to check on the cluster, whatever that means. And Jasper's like, nope, Rose Torts takes priority. So Jasper, like, had the authority to take different actions than what they were supposed to take. So, like, is used to taking command in situations, is super strong. Like, that's a... That's a big, powerful foe there. Yeah, and is reporting back to Yellow Diamond. Yeah, all these things that we can say, and they're like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. I can't really talk about it.
0: Yeah, we meet Ruby and Sapphire. Oh, I love
1: that. <laughs> I love Rubies in particular, <laughs> <laughs> especially our Ruby, because yeah. she's so she has no patience, and it's my favorite thing in the world.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just I like rubies are like this these just like tiny angry (laughs) right there's just like it feels like the frenetic energy of their rage is like constantly like boiling Mm -hmm. um and sapphire obviously can you know predict or see the future um and is the more like subdued calming Mm -hmm. influence
1: um and together they make garnet it's so good I, uh, it's one of those things where meeting Ruby and Sapphire, like, I feel like Ruby has more of a personality, if only by the, by the nature of the fact that she spends more time with Steven in the episode. Steven has, like, a full-on conversation with Ruby, and they run around together and stuff, so, like, you can see a lot of Ruby's energy. We don't get to see as much of Sapphire's, but, like, ugh, they're so good, and they're so good together as Garnet, and they're also so good together as Ruby and Sapphire, like. They are. They're, they just, like, relationship goals, guys. (laughs) Like, they are so in love and so
0: good at, like, they they complement each other uh-huh. in the
1: best ways. And so it's just, I don't know. I love them. I, I don't even know what more to say. <laughs> no, there's not. I, there's not. And this is not a video podcast, but we, are both, we both look like ding-dongs grinning <laughs> over <laughs> Ruby and Sapphire because they're just so good. Oh,
0: God. We also meet uh, Malachite. Like, kind of. Right? Like, it's hard. Well, we don't get a name which is kind of like how I'm trying to define meeting characters honestly but like also Malachite like doesn't have a lot of
1: personality nope because it seems again like unstable fusion it is very clearly Jasper and Lapis fighting inside of this new being
0: yeah I mean it's also like in comparison to Garnet it's really interesting to see such a like unharmonious fusion because it's like I think that we all have had those moments with someone, whether it is a family member or like someone or like a relationship where like the fight that you are having also feels like another person. Mm-hmm. Like it is like it is so big and has taken on a life of its own and you're not sure why you're fighting anymore. Like that is what Malachite feels like to me. Not that they don't know why they're fighting, but that it's like
1: mm-hmm. it is a
0: it is a battle that is taken on a life of its own. Mm hmm.
1: Outside of the characters that are introduced, a lot of our characters have big moments. Uh we've we've already been talking about this, but why the heck not? Garnet. The revelation that Garnet is a fusion is one that fans spent two years predicting and then it happened and it didn't matter because it was still so good.
0: Yeah, it, it is one of those moments that I think even though you're expecting it, it is as sweet or if not like sweeter than what you expect is going to happen and Mm -hmm. so like it just it still works it still feels like this great revelation
1: i also really loved steven saying to garnet like when garnet's like oh we were we were waiting to surprise you and steven says oh did i make a good impression and garnet says oh we already love you because garnet is an individual right and garnet garnet is her own person and garnet usually is like Stephen, i love you but she also is Ruby and Sapphire, so she can speak for them as well. And I just love that. I love that moment so much. I love Garnet. More, It's honest, more queer love on TV. Please.
0: I think that's what we're saying. We need more of it. <laughs> Why isn't this happening? Dear,
1: dear TV, please more. Please more. Thank you.
0: Uh, Amethyst. Yeah, we talked a little bit about Amethyst in On the Run. Um, and all of the emotions that being back in the kindergarten is bringing up, mm-hmm. um, and then in maximum capacity with Greg is a really interesting one. Honestly, this is the side of like Amethyst personality that I'm like, ugh, like, <laughs> like them, uh, kind of like feeding off of each other and like sitting mm-hmm. around watching that video ad nauseum um, is like, I I understand where the other gems and Steven are coming from with like trying to pull them out of this like fog, um, mm-hmm. but it's really interesting to see that relationship that we don't that we very rarely get to see
1: I, I think it's really neat to watch the fact that because amethyst is sort of the looser one she's probably the one that, that got along with greg the best and then yeah like then the relationship got weird and like i said that like falling into old habits just because they're habits and not because they actually mean anything to you um but i love that especially because this episode comes after on the run amethyst is allowed to have a bit of a growing moment like she has a really petulant bad moment in maximum capacity where she literally, literally yeah. shapeshifts into rows knowing that it will make Greg upset. And as Steven yells at the both of them, I think like Amethyst is like, I made a mistake. And it's very, I think it's, it's hinted at that this is part of the reason that her and Greg don't hang out anymore anyways is because they probably had an argument and it turned into this all beforehand. Yeah. And the fact that instead of letting that fester and letting that sit. Amethyst, who has had a couple moments now of sort of talking out her emotions instead of just letting them fester, cleans out the storage shed and moves all this stuff and leaves him a box that includes a reframed photo of him and Rose. Like, I think that's a really small, nice moment of growth from Amethyst. Not a huge moment of growth because she's still Amethyst, but like, (laughs) I think it's a nice moment of like understanding that, like, I did a bad thing and let's try to maybe move past that. And I really like, I really like seeing that in their relationship
0: um pearl obviously has like a major moment in rose's scabbard that we have talked into the ground um but like woof! just like pearl being so in love with rose and it and seeing the way rose is able to use that to her benefit um Mm -hmm. i think is something that like comes up more throughout the series but like that is
1: that's what's hard for me um in those moments it is hard to watch because like even now it's like okay pearl was in love with rose but like little things like when she replays with the with the with the hologram and she replays her conversation with Rose, there like she's kneeling, right? Like you're like, yeah. why would you kneel next to your friend? And like it's seeing that m- there's maybe a power imbalance there. Like it's there's a lot of really interesting things that come up um, in general. Um, also, the fact that Pearl has known Stephen and has supposedly loved and protected Stephen for his thirteen years, um, but the moment where Pearl refers to Stephen. In a way that makes you think, does she think Steven is Rose? And like she says it, right? Yeah. She's like, do you remember this place? We were right here. And it's like, no, you weren't. You and Rose were right there, but you and Steven were not. And so those moments where Pearl is at her lowest and at her almost shallowest as an individual, um, not that these actions are necessarily shallow, but like you, you kind of know what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah, it's really interesting to see a character who is the the neat and the tidy and the prim and proper and the the follow by the rule books to see them laid so low by their actions and so I think it's interesting that we do get to see that with Pearl. Yeah, it's not like the actions are shallow, it's like her
0: perspective
1: is. Yeah. um, That she's
0: only, she honestly isn't seeing things for what they are. It's all clouded by her rose colored glasses. No, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's all all clouded by her
1: emotional state. Yeah, I love Pearl. I'm never going to stop talking about Pearl, but we should stop talking about Pearl now. Um (laughs) Let's see. Oh, Greg. I mean, we, we did talk about this um, a bit in Story for Steven and, and Maximum Capacity, but like Greg has a lot of really good moments, I think, in this arc.
0: Yeah. Also, the message when he's able to um, work with the Wailing Stone is really, really good. I love the moment at the end um, when Garnet shakes his hand. I don't like it's yeah. like something really powerful about the appreciation and like just I don't know, it feel like it feels like he's getting recognition for what he's able to
1: contribute. Mm-hmm. like when he's like just try like why don't you trust me you never trust me just let me try like that's such a like you you can feel that that's the that's like 20 years of pent up Gu- guys <laughs> just give me a second will you like yeah i know i'm just a human and i only just have like coax cables but like give me a minute <laughs> like yeah i really like the stuff with greg in the section a lot we're going into the music I love the songs in this section. There are so
0: many good songs in this section. Um, I don't even, like, I don't think we can do justice to all of them. (laughs) No, but let's run them down. Um, Okay, so in On the Run, we have the On the
1: Run song, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we talked about this when we talked about On the Run, but it's a really, it's a really fun sort of, like, song. It makes you feel like you should get up and go with them, kind of, like. Yes, it's very, like, folksy. It's the Um, whistling.
0: It is, it is the whistling. Um I love I love that. It feels like the journey
1: that they are on. hmm Also I like hearing Amethyst get her little solo. I don't know. There's something nice about that. In Story for Steven we have Mr. Ding Dang Universe singing his songs <laughs> and they're so good much better than Let Me Drive My Van Into Your Heart first is Comet which is that opening song that he sings on stage and is the one that Rose watches which is like the 80s power ballad of it all is so great <laughs> oh my god I mean the whole thing that scene where they, where he starts telling the story and it feels like a 80s music video <laughs> yeah the bit at the end of the, the crash like Comet and then like he's like you, he fades and he stops and then there's another Greg that you see and another like that's pure that's also if anybody's seen frozen 2 there there's a nod to that same sort of 80s music video aesthetic in frozen 2 as well there's an 80s power ballad that uh groff sings christoph oh yes 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 it's the same aesthetic with the with the big head of the person singing behind you and you're like why well, am i saying this <laughs> the 80s for a lot uh then also destiny i love that greg just writes uh writes music right off the dome He's like, let me sing you this love song that I just made up because I just met you. <laughs> yeah. And I, like, I don't know.
0: It's it's really interesting to see their like relationship developing. And I think that the song really like underscores
1: um, how immediate uh, Greg's feelings for Rose are. Mm-hmm. Um, in The Message, we have two songs. And, and like Stephen and the Stevens, where we got the same tune for two different uh, sets of lyrics, the message is the same tune, but for two different songs. The first one is called Lapis Leslie, And, Steven sings it when Greg was about to sing a song called Water Witch. And it was like very like ACDC's Brit Rock coming out of his mouth. And Steven's like, no, that's not what she was. And so Steven sings a song about Lapis that has a little bit more emotion to it, which I feel like is only a song in so much as to remind the audience who Lapis Lazuli was because (laughs) she's about to show up again. But it's still a nice song. Um, And then when Greg is trying to fix the Wailing Stone after
0: you know they're hearing the cacophony of like different like screeching sounds um it runs through that tune right like uh twice i feel like when he's Mm -hmm. when they're like playing with the different um mechanisms mechanisms i don't know audio jargon blah 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 but it's the, same, it's the same tune to the Lapis time. Lazuli the song end, that Stephen sings so um, as a way to them remind them audience the audience that there is a connection oh, between like the Lapis that Stephen's uh, describing. Then we hear the song coming out the Wailing Stone and then obviously we see the
1: message from Lapis. It's just like a mm-hmm. continuous trail. Yeah. I also like that Willingstone does what um, Strong the Railway does for Pearl. It does for Greg, where he is singing because he's frustrated. And also, like, he has whole lines where, like, I, he says, like, I just showed the gems that I ain't got the stuff. Like, this is Greg is a little upset about, like, what's going on and that he's not trusted and all this other stuff. Like, so he just takes a moment to sing it out because, like, he's an old rock man. Um, <laughs> So I like those moments where you get to hear. Sort of what characters are feeling and it comes out more stark honestly than like if they were just talking because Steven Universe is a musical
0: like that is these these episodes are the moment where like people are feeling such big things that they just have to sing and that Mm -hmm. happens a lot in this section. Um, honestly, it happens again in Stronger Than You. Mm-hmm. It is the crescendo of Garnet coming back and fight in this whole fight sequence. Um, it's like a, it's like she's amping herself up um, throughout the entire song. And I, it's it's a great song. I don't even know like what else you can say about it. Just that it is a really great song and it has that like musical element. It is like I am singing words instead of saying them because yep. it is more impactful and also. that is the largeness
1: of the feeling i had this moment just now where i was like but like man when the song starts and i was i i was thinking about words and i realized i was about to start basically just speaking all of the lines of the song as i explained why (laughs) it was so good i was was like this is garnet back together i'm like you don't need to do that we don't need to do that we don't need to talk the whole lines but like god that song is so good also it's just a bop like it is just a good it, song. Oh, it's a Bob. Thank you, thank you, gods, for for Estelle and for having her in the show and for having her sing this song. Like also more queer representation and queer love on TV. She's literally singing this the phrase "I am made of love" is the line, and it's it's that love that is stronger than you. It's not that I'm stronger. I'm not the more powerful gem necessarily, but this relationship this stability me this love is stronger than you and it's and, and your mission and your whatever and it's like
0: damn it that's not just so good just to back up a minute because like I just love this uh the moment where she and Stephen part and Steven's all like by yourself all alone and she's like I'm never alone like
1: stop <laughs> just like god also the fact uh, that we enter the song with her laughing as like the strings come underneath her yes. which jess was like do you think x y and z and she just laughs and like the big violin is coming underneath her to begin the song and you're like this could not get any more this is just so good Like this, this could not so be a better good. set piece it's so good. Ugh, I don't yeah. want to stop talking about stronger than you, but also we should stop talking about stronger than you. Yeah, let's, let's, let's move on to the gem lore. What's the stuff that we learned about this time? Um, in terms of Steven's abilities, we've pretty much learned everything he can do. He's like you know unlocked all of those traits. He's leveled up to a certain level. So we know everything that Steven can do pretty much at this point, but we see them in different ways. So we've seen Steven summon his shield, his shield twice now. First in gem glow. Uh, with the cookie cat, or I suppose mm-hmm. it's it's twice in Glow He does it, um, and then he summons it during Ocean Gem to protect everybody, but it's mm-hmm. kind of a handheld, like, buckler-sized shield. When he learns about how the gems would not have survived without a shield, and he goes back to protect them, and they're firing a huge ship, Steven is able to make the shield big enough to protect all of them. Um, we see it sap his strength a bit, so it takes a lot to maintain it, but now we know that Steven can make that shield big enough to protect poor people uh also we see a hint that maybe steven isn't just a 13 year old boy with a pink shield um because in the return he in anger punches the dashboard of the van and it like breaks Mm -hmm. which i don't think you should be able to do (laughs) so (laughs) there's a bit of steven is maybe stronger than the average boy
0: um we also get a lot of rose info um and so like her hovering ability is sort of hinted at in story for Stephen, And we also learn through the return that like bringing Rose back to homeworld is a big deal um, that like completely changes the mission that Jasper and Peridot are on. Um, and it it seems to be like of s- some urgency, um, mm-hmm. which to me says that like maybe there was more than just the rebellion happening. Um, mm-hmm. There's a reason that Yellow Diamond like would want to hear about this.
1: Oh, Rose, what more could we possibly learn about you? Some uh, gem-style info. One thing that's interesting is that um, we learn that gems can manipulate inanimate objects. And whether that's all gems or just certain types, we don't know. But that scene with the gem that is in the lighthouse in the Horror Club episode. Again, this is the end of a season, so everything we've been learning in piecemeal is sort of laid out in front of us between uh, Greg, Paradot and Amethyst. We kind of learned that the whole gig was that they came from space, they invaded Earth, they harvested parts of the planet to create more gems the way that Amethyst did in the kindergarten. There was a rebellion that was led by Rose, uh, the rebellion one, but since then the, the gems from Homeworld have assumed that no more gems were on Earth. Uh, based on the fact that like Peridot sent the red eye that was in laser light cannon to go investigate to see anything. And she couldn't tell and that's why she came to investigate. Mm -hmm. So presumably at the end of this rebellion, the assumption on the part of the gems that were from World was everyone was destroyed. Uh, Greg also mentions that in the war, and actually it's a really great line because he's like, wars are never good, I think is what he says to Stephen. He's like, countless gems were were hurt, presumably dead. And he says, and people too. So like in this big war that happened thousands of years ago, it wasn't just gem on gem. Like people got caught up in the mix because this was humanity's planet first. Um, So seeing sort of all of that history finally laid bare is uh is something that we get by the end.
0: Yeah, and I mean even Jasper kind of hints that
1: uh, the Crystal Gems used to be a
0: legion. Um, mm-hmm. that like she says something about this being all
1: that's left of Rose's army. Yeah, your your base is taken. Your your forces have dwindled or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that Jasper taunts the gems too I, is a hint at gem hierarchy or gem status quo, as it were. Jasper calls Pearl lost and defective. It's not that Jasper called her like skinny and floofy or like with a, you know, whatever. Like you think of the things he could randomly insult somebody with. But lost and defective is very specific. Uh, Makes it sound like Pearl needs a leader or Pearl is expected to have a leader. Uh, Defective Mm -hmm. also makes it sound like she's going against what she should be doing. Uh, Jasper refers to Amethyst as overcooked and puny. Uh, Like we already know Amethyst is small, but Amethyst by that should be bigger. Um, Mm -hmm. And then refers to Garnet as a shameless display. And that shows that maybe Fusion is not uh, as normal as someone Mm -hmm. like Garnet makes it seem, which is another interesting sort of tack onto what we know about Fusion there. Yeah, we also get a couple of mentions of Yellow Diamond. And
0: uh, there are yellow diamonds on Peridot and Jasper's clothing. Um, so, like, obviously, there's some sort of relation there. We also get mentions of checking on the cluster, which is, like, hinting at the fact that the gems left something behind thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's, like, another mystery for us to
1: unpack down the line. It's kind of one of those things where they where te- television does it in general, where it's like, oh, end of the season. We're wrapping this up. What should we hint at for next season? Yellow Diamond checking on Cluster. Peridot escaped. What's about to happen? We are about to go through all of that. Like it's a really classic TV moment. But um, for right now, all we know is that these are things that are being hinted at.
0: Uh, We also get like some character specific stuff especially around Garnet. I think we mentioned um, some of it before with like Ruby having future vision or like somehow sharing traits with Sapphire as Garnet. Mm -hmm. Um, But we also see that Garnet can pass on the future vision for a moment. Um, So in Winter Forecast or in Jailbreak, when she holds Steven's head and like pushes the... Uh, image of where to find the other gems into his brain she kisses him on the
1: forehead
0: i don't know i didn't i yes she does kiss him on the forehead i didn't associate the kiss with what did it but like yes now that you say that <laughs> um we also just get like a couple of like little random tidbits like amethyst's long hair seems to stem from liking greg's hair back in his 80s rocker days i love that
1: she like puts his hair on her head it's so cute <laughs> I really like your hair. And you're like, yeah, you're about to wear it for the rest of your days. So we also
0: learned that the temple used to be open with nothing blocking access to it. So like
1: without the house attached. And the only thing they had on the beach was a chain link fence that said, please. Thanks. That was definitely Pearl with the please in cursive <laughs> written on that sign. No climbing the fence, please. Pearl is ridiculous. Also, there are a couple of really neat things that are sort of like show specific. Um, One of them is that the ending theme changes a couple times here at the end. In Story for Steven and then Political Power, uh, you hear the ending theme song first. Have uh, The music has static interspersed. And then at the end of Political Power, it's full on static. You don't hear the music at all. um, And that is a mixture of sort of the static that was Lapis's message. And then moving into the fact that now gems have arrived on earth. So it gives kind of adds to the suspense of what's about to happen. And then after the static and after the uh, the events of Return, the theme music at the end has moved forward and we get the first lyrics of the ending theme song, which, is, uh, which has been the whole time, but now we've just hit that point in the song of Love Like You, which is um, a really great song. Uh, we haven't heard all of it yet, so I don't want to dissect it just yet, but it is... Um, performed and sung by show creator Rebecca Sugar. And then uh, the other interesting thing is we've always seen the title cards for Steven Universe be set on the hand of the temple, uh, Mm -hmm. up up where the washing machine is. In Jailbreak, for the very first time, uh, the setting of the title card has changed, and instead of being the hand, it is uh, in space. So now we know that the title cards represent kind of where we are. Are we in Beach City or are we currently on a spaceship? (laughs) And I think... Whew. I think we got to the end of like all the big revelations. So now technically we have to pick someone who is extra, which is hard because this <laughs> was a very like intense set of episodes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to quickly look at the list of episodes in this thing. I know. <laughs> I'm going to give my extra word this, this go around specifically to the writers of uh, Maximum Capacity – for creating <laughs> little butler because you didn't have to go that hard making like a mr belvedere the nanny crossover that featured a teeny tiny butler and like <laughs> they had a cat named money and like their neighbors the richingtons and that i want to watch little butler so bad it's got such a great theme song i love the the little butler with his little mustache going you people have too much money it's so cute <laughs> And it's so good. And they didn't need to write me a whole sitcom premise, but they did. And I appreciate the Crew universe writers for going <laughs> so intently on Lil Butler.
0: I don't know how to follow that up. I think I'm going to give it to Greg. Honestly. Mostly for uh in story for St- mostly for Story for Stephen. Just like for <laughs> <laughs> every every turn, every like uh, how much he hates Marty and his 80s rocker days and running back to get the t-shirt for Rose and like falling for a girl that you've seen for five minutes and writing a song like just like everything is so
1: Greg um, in mm-hmm. that episode and it was it just felt like extra. I, I'll I'll give you Greg if only for also the outfits he owns. Oh in my mind God. <laughs> The Ugh. tuxedo t-shirt that's too small. The cherry sweater, which is a great sweater. But what was that, like, fake Elvis outfit with the platforms? <laughs> Why do you still have that, Greg? What are you doing? You own a he car has everything, He has everything he's ever
0: owned. Like, that's right. Like, <laughs> come on.
1: <laughs> the hints at Greg's family is so fascinating because I realized in Mexican capacity, they did New Year's and they had the pots and pans to bang on. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, Greg says something about, oh, yeah, I got all my stuff in here. Can't find the D to my aunt and uncle's mansion. And you're like, <laughs> oh, well, oh, Greg. And you're like, Greg being a pack rat and not getting rid of anything he owns. I'm like, I feel like we're talking. The revelations around Greg's family, I've always been like, I can't believe what? that. Who? I, I really thought it was just all nonsense lines said by this old dad trying to impress his kid. But actually, he was 100%. deadly serious. 100%.
0: <laughs> Bless Greg. Uh.
1: So that brings us to the end of this episode for real. Um, check out the Steven Universe Wiki. Uh, the specifically, not the Wikipedia page, the specific Steamed Universe Wiki, or um, up on Mischief Media, we've got a PDF of our watch list because similar to the end of this section of episodes, the beginning of, of season two is also a little bit messed up. So if you're watching on Hulu and you want to stick with us, like, we can make sure that you're going in the right order. Truly just buck wild. I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> like, I feel like I should apologize for Hulu because I'm experiencing it. Um, but the episodes just make no sense. I think we can all blame Cartoon Network.
1: No, we absolutely can because if you if you look at the if you look at the order, it was because of that airing, except for open book, didn't make any sense.
0: As always, we love Talking Steven Universe, uh, so you should find us on social so that we can keep talking about this as we are watching along. Um, we are on Twitter at pod
1: and on Facebook and Instagram at extraneous.pod. That .pod. You can also go to patreon.com slash making mischief to join our Patreon community. We got bonus content. We got we got physical merch. We got a private Discord. Uh, it's a It's a really cool place to be. Personally, I think so. Um hopping. Good. Hoppin'. Time. Absolutely hopping. Uh, lots of Animal Crossing right now in the Discord. Um, <laughs> and also it supports us. Like if you have means we really, really, really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, patreon.com slash making mischief. Bye guys, stay extra. Bye.
0: Yeah, there's something for me in that moment where Hold on. I almost said Sam. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sam and Dean show up in New city <laughs> to hunt these monsters. Oh, God. Okay. Cool. Steven has pretty much unlocked all of the abilities, well, all of the abilities that Steven has experienced this first season of Steven Universe, or, you know, season one and a half season, or the first two half, and I'm just going to go back to the top of the sentence because it's starting to sound complicated. <laughs> in terms of Steven <laughs>